Move over, Scolari brothers. There's some new ghosts in the courtroom. Then we travel to Alaska to take a look at the story of a town where people just up and left, and it remains deserted to this day. Was it abandoned due to economic reasons, or are the stories true? Did Bigfoot murder dozens of people and drench the area in blood? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Garvener. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun. I got lukewarm coffee. Yum, 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 yum. That's my favorite. It actually is. I drink everything lukewarm. But someone who's never lukewarm, someone who comes in always nice and hot, hot and bothered, give it up for today's Patreon supporter, Own the Monkeys. Woo! Give you a big round of applause. Give you a high five. Own the Monkeys, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. And before we get started, actually, I want to add this in here. This is breaking news. The newest episode of the podcast, The Asylum Case Studies, just dropped. The Asylum Case Studies is a podcast where the host, Tressa, reviews asylum movies. And you're like, what are you talking about? Is this movies where people are tied up? You're like, oh, that person's in a straitjacket. 10 out of 10. No, The Asylum is a movie production company that's known for such great mockbusters as The Transmorphers. And instead of uh, Pacific Rim, they came out with they came out with a movie called Atlantic Rim. Well, recently I had the honor of being invited back on the show. I did an episode previously where we reviewed my one of my favorite bad movies, Three-Headed Shark Attack. Now... Tressa had me back against against her better judgment because she lets me pick the film. Juggalos and Juggalettes, you better get that clown love ready. We get together and we watch the 2008 insane clown posse film known as Death Racers. It's a movie starring two grown men who pretend that they're psychotic clowns. In real life, there's not their characters, right? And it is a movie that is filmed in two weeks, beginning to end. And I'm pretty sure half of those two weeks was the writing of the script. So if you can imagine how bad or good a movie starring the Insane Clown Posse can be if it was filmed in two weeks, join myself and Tressa at the Asylum Case Studies. It's on YouTube. It's everywhere you listen to podcasts. If you're listening to this podcast, you can easily skip over and listen to the Asylum Case Studies as well. I'll put links in the show notes. But guys, really, let's go show the Asylum Case Studies some clown love. Whoop, whoop. Own the monkeys or pwn the monkeys. I really know how to, don't know how to pronounce it. P W N. I don't know how to pronounce anything on this show though. We're just gonna call you own own the monkeys. Let's go ahead and give you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dune buggy. We're gonna leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to a courtroom. Bing 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 bing. We're all interrupting the court. We're kicking dust up everywhere. Ah ah. Driving in with this Dead Rabbit Dune buggy. First off, let me tell you very briefly why we're in this courtroom it's super convoluted i'm trying to break it down to make it as easy as possible stormy daniels stormy daniels was a porn star who slept with donald trump before he was president and then to keep her mouth shut she got paid off money by the trump campaign they thought maybe campaign like funds were used for this Uh, trump was basically saying what woman I don't know what woman you're talking about. I don't think he ever admitted to sleeping with Stormy Daniels. 
But she did get some hush money, and she was trying to get out from this non-disclosure agreement because now it's President Donald Trump, and you can make a lot of moolah writing a book. So Stormy Daniels gets this lawyer named Michael Avenatti, who then appears like on the news every single night. Just talking trash, talking trash to President Trump because it was really easy for him to get him to react. And then you're in the headlines the next day. Da, 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 da. And this went on for a while. Now, the reason why we're in the courtroom now is Stormy Daniels apparently got an $800,000 advance to write a book. But she says that Michael Avenatti stole $300,000 from that advance. But she says Michael Avenatti stole $300,000 from me. And there's currently a trial it's actually ended right a couple days ago but we're going to be at this trial here where michael avenatti is on trial for stealing three hundred thousand dollars now we're not covering this because it's true crime right pretty basic stuff we're in this courtroom michael avenatti's acting as his own lawyer and this is the end of the trial stormy daniels is on the stand she's now testifying that yeah i was supposed to get this money and some of it went missing and i accused michael avenatti and that's why we're on trial now, the defense lawyer gets to question Stormy Daniels, and the defense lawyer is Michael Avenatti. He's facing 20 years in prison, and this is January 28th, 2022. This trial is happening. He goes up, and he is questioning Stormy Daniels, and he says, So, Miss Daniels, you were on a podcast called Spooky Babes. Is that correct? Imagine the jury's like, what? What does spooky babes have to do with it? You're being accused of stealing something. Were, were you in league with the spooky babes? Does this conspiracy go deeper? She says, yes, I was on a podcast called Spooky Babes. And Michael Avenatti goes, okay, good. And you talked about living in a haunted house, correct? You, Stormy Daniels, you said you were attacked by a ghost once. Is that correct? And Stormy Daniels is like, yeah, yeah, I, I did say I was attacked by a ghost. You mentioned, Miss Daniels, that in your home you have a haunted doll named Susan. It calls you mommy sometimes, right? The doll, you can hear the doll talking to you. Stormy Daniels goes, I do. I do have a haunted doll, and every so often it begins to speak to me. You even claim, Miss Daniels, that you're psychic, that you can talk to the dead, that you have actually charged people to do tarot card readings online. Do you think that you have these powers? Do you think you can talk to the dead? Stormy Daniels goes, yeah. So, so he is trying to make her not a credible witness by believing the stuff that we believe in. I mean, maybe you don't believe in everything we talk about on the show. I think you're probably interested in it if you're listening to it. But that's so fascinating. And I've talked about so many times on this show. Back when I was growing up in the 90s and the 80s, you know, I'm 45 years old. Ghost, ghost was probably the least ridiculous thing you could believe in as far as this goes. If you talked about UFOs, if you talked about conspiracies, you were a, just a nut. There was no middle ground. You were a tinfoil hat wearing, Russians beaming information into your teeth feelings nut. Ghost was kind. People could kind of understand the ghost thing because it was so old. But if you talked that you said you could hear a baby talking out of a haunted doll, you were considered nuts. And that only started changing fairly recently. I'd actually say, I said the 80s and the 90s, I'd said this would go into the 2000s. But even like if you were a 9-11 conspiracy theorist, you were a nutcase. Now it's interesting. It's been pretty quick. Now you have Senate hearings on UFOs and stuff like that. But when I was growing up, if a senator talked about UFOs, they were not elected next time. 
And not only is she on the stand and he's trying to say, this is not a credible person. This person who's saying I stole money believes in ghosts. Can you? It's insane. She's insane. She thinks a ghost is talking to her in the jury. He's like taking notes. They're drawing like spooky pictures. He also, I thought this was really interesting because if this is true, this is some high level. I mean, if this is true, Stormy Daniels needs to not get a lawyer. She needs to get an exorcist. He goes on to tell this story about, and let me find the actual quote here. This is a quote from the Associated Press article on his, I want to read this. And this article was written by Tom Hayes and Larry Neumeister. So I want to give them credit because I'll be reading directly from this article. Avenatti asked Daniels about a story she once told in which she said that she had seen an image of a woman in her home sometime between April 2019 and November 2019 who was sobbing over a dead child and cutting her wrists. And that she looked down and saw her own arm. Stormy Daniels looked down and saw her own arm covered in blood. He asked her if that really happened. Yes, Daniels answered. And you don't remember opening the drawer, taking the knife out, or cutting yourself? Avenatti asked. Correct, she said. And at the time... You began to think you were crazy? Asked Avenatti. Correct, she answered. That's a high level, that, that is, that's a high level demonic spirit, right? When you can watch an image of somebody cutting their own wrist and then you look down and your own wrists are sliced. And, I mean, physically sliced. She's saying the drawer was open. She had the knife in her hand. That's a really interesting ghost story, just in and of itself. Take it out of the legal context. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. I think a, a fear, I think a very common fear in the paranormal world is being possessed. But imagine if you weren't suicidal at all. You weren't suicidal. You had no suicidal ideation at all. And yet you died of suicide. What a tragic story. People would be like, oh my God, I, I, I just never knew they were capable of that. I thought everything was going fine for them. And you didn't commit suicide. You're basically possessed by a demon and killed yourself. Like that's, terrifying that's that's one of the worst ghost stories i think i've heard and it was casually thrown about in this court hearing it, it happened stormy daniel said this happened to her she saw a ghost kill itself and then she tried to kill herself and but michael avenatti isn't telling it because it's super spooky michael avenatti's telling it because this woman's nuts she's accusing me of stealing money and she's cutting herself like, that's nuts. And she makes up this weird story that she saw a ghost cut herself. That that's why she cut herself. What? So just on a paranormal level, this is some pretty heavy stuff. Ghosts talking to people, almost killing yourself because a ghost, you see a ghost, right? That's terrifying. And then the fact in the legal realm where this is actually hurting her case. But it didn't in the end. She actually won the case. He is now facing 20 years in prison. Because he stole this money. I don't know if he'll actually get 20 years in prison. $300,000 doesn't really seem like that's worth 20 years in prison. But that's just me. It doesn't seem like a, a ton of money. Not, not like I have $300,000 standing around. But I'm just thinking that I, I don't think he should face 20 years in prison. But I just found that story. I want to share that story with you. Because it does show that to this day, people see the belief in paranormal is dumb. Not even dumb. Just insane. You can actually lose a court case. I mean, imagine if someone like lost custody of their children because they believed in ghosts. 
just believing in ghosts. And they're like, uh, you know, she's insane. She believes that the house is haunted and she believes it's this old spirit that she comes in contact with. And sometimes the spirit enters her own body. And she walks around. <laughs> she starts wearing little old-timey clothes and then she goes back to normal. Like, as a judge, if you were a judge, how would you view that? Even if you did believe in that, that's funny. That's an example I just came off the top of my head with, but... Or did I? <laughs> Maybe I got possessed by a ghost. As a judge, that's funny, though. If I was a judge and I was dealing with a child custody battle, and even though I believe in a lot of this stuff, it's interesting if someone said, my wife thinks she gets possessed from time to time by the ghosts of the house. I don't know how I would... That would be... So I'd be like, that's so scary. I'm hiding underneath my desk. Bailiff, go arrest the ghost. I don't know how I would rule on that. That's so funny because originally I was saying Michael Avenatti is kind of a jerk for bringing this up. But yeah, legally, whose house would I want the kids to be in? Someone who believes that they get possessed from time to time by the ghost of the house or someone who's... I don't know, actually. But I love it when the world of the paranormal gets involved in the real world and how people react to that. And also, that's a really scary... <laughs> that's a really scary story, the woman possessing her or she just seeing the ghost do that and then mutilating herself physically possibly killing herself right that could, she could have done some serious damage so creepy creepy story and insightful as well but yeah he's he's facing some serious time well we're gonna go ahead and leave michael avenatti to his own devices he did the crime you do the time own the monkeys i'm gonna toss you the keys to the carpenter copter we're leaving behind this courthouse we're headed all the way out to portlock alaska <laughs> We're carrying Stormy Daniels' doll with us. She's she's going to hang out with us. She's like, I'm scared of Stormy. That's okay, doll. You can hop on board. As long as you don't possess any of us. Own the monkeys. The reason why we're headed out to Portland... <laughs> I'm possessed. I'm possessed. I'm strangling all of you guys. Sorry. I murdered you guys. As the Carpenter Copter lands, it's set on autopilot and own the monkeys. Lifeless corpse falls out of the side. Now I'm a little doll walking around. We're in the town of Portlock. That's in the Port... Chatham area of Alaska is a nice place. It became pretty well settled because it's very calm waters. We're on the southern part of Alaska, and this place was established in 1787. It's an old, old town. And what happened was, because the waters are so calm in this little port area, a lot of packages, a lot of like mail and supplies and goods... You would ship it out of this area and then you could hit the full coastline of Alaska and you'd have a nice, peaceful place to launch from. Not these massive storms or huge waves coming from. So you had that and then it was also a cannery town. So you'd have all your fish brought in there, you'd can it up and you'd ship it out to wherever. The population was a combination of Russian and Alut which is the natives to the area. Everything was going great. It's a very, very peaceful town, economically sustainable. Now, we have a lot of records for this town. It's not like Dublin, Wisconsin, which is just a mythological city that may or may not have existed, disappeared off the map. This one we actually have records for. A lot of history for this. And one of the records back in 1905 shows that all the native workers in the area left town. They're just like, nope, we're not going to be here anymore. We're gone. And you had a bunch of people who were working at the cannery, but you didn't have enough. <laughs> There's just a bunch of stinky fish floating around. They're like, oh, man, we need more labor. And they tried, the people who owned the cannery, the people who were members of the town, tried to get the native workers back. They're like, no, it's not. We don't want to be there. There's something in the forest 
Now, to the people who had immigrated to this area, they're like, yeah, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, there's trees and like squirrels and stuff, but there's nothing that can hurt you. So come, come back. Like, we actually really need your help. Don't worry about what's in the spooky forest. Just come back. We need you. And the native population was coaxed back to the area. You had a lot of native workers there. You had a lot of immigrants there. Then you had a lot of people just passing through the town. And you had, you know, like workers coming through the town just looking for something and they end up staying there. You also had gold prospectors in this area. This is like in the 1930s. A lot of hunters. You had people from all over. But the Russian Alut population was still very, very concerned there was something in the woods. And as the population grew, other people who weren't native to the region began to experience something in the woods. In the 1930s, a logger was found dead. Now, it's Alaska, right? People are going to die up there. It's a pretty harsh environment. So it wasn't that that he was dead and he was frozen. What they found was at his logging site where he was, there was blood all over the place. There was also blood all over this piece of equipment. And his head was caved in. So they figure, well, what happened was there must have been some sort of industrial accident, and he bonked his head on this piece of equipment, he's spraying blood everywhere, and then he died. Very inconsiderate of him. He should have died in a much cleaner way. But then people started to kind of piece this together. Sure, you have blood on this giant piece of industrial equipment. His body was 10 feet away, and his head was completely caved in. It was 10 feet away from where the equipment laid, covered in blood. So they started to think something picked up this piece of equipment and bashed his head in. Then he walks away trying to hold what's left of his brains in and then falls and dies. If he was some sort of industrial accident, wouldn't he have died on the spot? People are like, you're not a coroner. You're not a scientist. We don't, I mean, do you want us to run this test over and over again? Do you want us to bash in people's head, figure out how far they can walk afterwards? It was most likely an accident Nothing picked this. There's nothing strong enough to pick this piece of equipment up. Shortly after that, hunters began to go missing in the area. Now, remember, a lot of these hunters were just passing through. They were going where the game was. So were these hunters just moving on? There wasn't enough moose in the area. And they just continued on. It's not like they're local. It's not like they have to do punch cards every time they go somewhere. We started getting these stories of hunters disappearing. And the hunters who did stick around began to talk about something in the woods. This hunter tells this story. I was tracking this moose through the area. And the moose cried out. And then the hunter's like, oh, I gotta go shoot that thing. I was listening to that beautiful music, that beautiful moose music. And he begins tracking this moose. And he goes, I'm watching its footprints in the snow. And then, then I see kind of running parallel to it, a set of giant 18-inch footprints. And I would watch this giant set kind of catch up to where the moose prints were. It's like coming out of the forest walking towards the moose prints, and now it looks like something previously was tracking this moose as well. And then I get to a spot where there is a flattened patch of snow. 
soaked in blood. No moose? No carcass? Just the giant set of footprints heading back into the forest. Bigfoot is what people are talking about now. Now, this is taking place in the 1930s. I don't even think the word Bigfoot was really thrown around much, but it was known locally in this area as the Nantinook. And this would basically be the equivalent of Bigfoot's drunk uncle. The Nantinook is a violent killing machine. It's a predator. I'm sure regular Bigfoots are scared to death of this guy. That's who they believe is out in this forest. And Antinook has the same physical characteristics of a Bigfoot. It's tall, has big feet, and it's hairy. But while Bigfoot means big feet, Nantinook, this old cryptid, means those who steal people. So even the old legend was like, this is not one you want to mess around with. You're not going to go hear some peaceful Bigfoot noises in the woods. You're not going to rescue them from a volcano. I'll put that episode in the show notes. That was a real fun one. Bigfoot in continental United States seems to be a pretty chill guy. But the Nantinook, those who still people, steal people, you don't want to be running away. <laughs> the guy's name literally means I will kidnap you. So you had hunters talking about this moose carcass that seemingly disappeared and was carried off by this massive creature. Hunters are disappearing in the area. Gold prospectors are disappearing in the area. And people are now physically starting to see a giant hairy creature hanging around the outskirts of town. Seeing him standing on a beach watching fishermen. Seeing him off in the mountain range waiting for a human to leave the safety of civilization so he can live out his name. Seeing him at the beach was one of the confirmed sightings, and that's actually pretty telling because these people kept disappearing, and even though authorities in town were saying they're just wanderers, right? These are people who are just coming to town, they're hunting a bit, and they're moving on. That might be true <laughs> until, until organs and limbs started showing up in the bay. You started seeing... Obviously, the remains of human beings where they shouldn't be soaked in the water. You started to see these body parts show up in the lagoon. So now people are like, dude, listen, you can tell me all day long these people are just passing through. But if anything, they're passing through the bowels of this Bigfoot monster. Or maybe he's killing them for sport. We don't know. In total, three dozen people went missing in this area. And as far as the locals are concerned, they are all dead. I mean, maybe one or two of those guys are just passing through, but the Nantinook was hunting them in the wilderness. They were not safe here. They were not safe. And you could say, well, as long as they're in the city working at the cannery. But if you knew there was a monstrous killer, but he only hung out on the outskirts of town, would you still feel safe in the town? So again, we have records showing this town was completely abandoned. By the 1940s... Nobody was living there. Everyone left. One of the last things that was there was a federal post office, and they left too. Because there's no one to deliver mail to. And when the federal government pulls out, it's because there's just nobody left there. And to this day, this is a real city you can find on a map. You can go there and walk around. It's a ghost town. Nobody lives there. There's been talk of people moving back into this town. it's I'm sure it's a beautiful view. <laughs> if you don't mind the organs, you don't mind the limbs floating in the bay, 
it's it's empty. It's a fully functional town that nobody lives in. Now, we've covered a lot of towns. I mentioned Dublin, Wisconsin. I'll put that in the show notes. We covered a town in China that everyone left called Shanaxi. There's a lot of stories like this. The Bell Ray Surge, again, supposedly a town that was wiped off the map by some sort of um, disintegration ray. I'll put all those episodes in the show notes. They're all really fun episodes. I mean, unless you have people, unless you've lost people in those towns, they're fun episodes. But all of them were urban legends. The Shinaxi one was the other closest one we had to being real. It does look like the Chinese government came in and swooped everybody out of it. It's really weird. This is one where we can actually look at documents and see the population of the town shrinking and then disappearing in the 1950s. An awesome story, right? We have this empty town. We have documentation of the town is empty. But we always like to see what we can dig up. How much of the story is true? I was actually able to find um, an article written by Brian Dunning for Skeptoid.com. I actually think it was a transcript of a podcast, maybe. But they actually dug through a bunch of old newspapers to see if there was any proof behind the story. Skeptoid.com does some really good research. They said, digging through the old newspapers, there are no records of mysterious deaths. In fact, there's no records of really any crime at all in the area. Definitely nothing about murders or stuff about mutilations or bodies showing up in the lagoon. But... Brian Dunning says the town was abandoned. The idea that this town existed and then everyone left, that's true. The fact that this town exists today and no one lives in it, that's true. He said that what his theory was, was in the 1940s, Alaska Route 1 was completed. So you now had this paved road, this actually functional road through Alaska, and you can now travel to the port cities without taking a boat. Before, you'd have to launch from a place like Portlock and sail along the coastline. He goes, now, you didn't need to do that. You can have a road. You just hop in your car and drive. You have that now cutting through the area. And there's only one road within 10 kilometers of Port Chatham. So no one, no, that's why no one lives there now. It's an unpaved road. They said, if you want to get there, it's it's actually not the most comfortable journey. So why would people live there? People, again, have talked about revitalizing the town. But why? You'd have to build a road first. To get out there. So it's just out of the way. Even though it's this nice little port. You could have fishing. You could have boats. Do you need it? Do you need to go through all this rigmarole to go out there? No, you don't. That is why the town is abandoned. That's the skeptical answer at least, right? But let me wrap it up like this. Let me wrap it up like this. I chose both of these stories to be on the same episode for a reason. If you walked around, whether it's the 1940s or today, saying, I don't want to go out into the woods because I'm scared. I think there's a giant monster out there ripping people apart. Oh, and I totally forgot about the ghost woman. Apparently, I don't know why I forgot about this. On the cliffs overlooking the town, every so often they would see a screaming woman up there with a white face wearing a long black dress. And she would just scream. She would just scream out into the darkness of night. You'd look up and you'd see this woman. <laughs> eternal torment. <laughs> eternal torment. That is your view from your house. That was another thing that was scaring the people in the area. Between the two, I'd be, I'd be more afraid of the monster who could rip me in half, throw my body parts in the water, than some screaming lady. But maybe it's Bigfoot's wife. 
Maybe he settled down with a nice human. We don't know. We don't know. It's probably, it's probably just a wraith. It's probably just this horrible demonic spirit trap there. Who knows? But if you talked about that stuff, you'd be considered a lunatic. I can guarantee you, here's the way it works. I'll break it down for you. I've said this on yesterday's episode, and it's common knowledge. The media's one goal is to make money. The media's goal is not to tell the truth, because they can tell the truth on Tuesday, but if they don't make money, they won't be employed on Wednesday. So you have that the main goal of media is to it's a business. You're making money and you are 100% beholden to your advertisers. If you have a local newspaper in this area and you start publishing stories about monsters murdering people and then you turn the page and it's advertisements for all the shops in town because there were local newspapers. Those people are going to be like, we're not going to advertise in your newspaper if you keep scaring people away. So you would have a cover-up in a town like this. You, one, would not trust the indigenous population, right? You have a bunch of people coming in from all over the world, and they're like, those are just old superstitions. We don't believe there's anything in the woods. And every time somebody died, would you put it in the newspaper? Because every time you put it in the newspaper, people are like, "Ah, we told you there's a monster in the woods, and you'd be like, there's not a monster in the woods. By the way, tomorrow's headline, five people randomly go missing and body parts appear later in the week. You would cover this up. You would be beholden to the cannery industry. You'd be beholden to the people running the fishing boats. So you're going to cover articles that were friendly to industry. Every newspaper does this. It's the sad fact of the industry. And I I do like Skeptoid.com. And I think that they're true. I don't think they're making this up that there's no proof of these murders. But I would say, who's to say? I mean, <laughs> I'm just a conspiracy theorist, but I'd say the newspaper would have a reason to cover those stories up. I have a friend who told me this story. I have a friend, I don't want to say his name because I don't know if he could legally get in trouble for sharing this. But I had a friend who told me this story. He had a friend who was a police officer. So there's a little bit of telephone, I know, but. This story he told me, this happened back in Sacramento. This would have been in the early 2000s, like 2005, 2006, something like that. He said he his buddy was a cop and he showed up at the location. It was a domestic violence call. And the cop walks into the room and sitting on the kitchen counter was a uh, human breast. This dude chopped off his wife's boob and set it on the counter. Wasn't in the news. Wasn't in the news at all. And you know why? Because it was too disturbing. And that is true, right? If the media actually told you what was going on in your city, you probably would be afraid to go out. There's so much brutality out there. We know they cover up stuff like that. But if the police did find someone who was horribly mutilated on the outskirts of town, do they tell you? They may investigate it. I hope they do. But do they tell you? Do they tell you through the media? And the answer is no. We know that for a fact. They do not reveal. I mean, unless you live in some tiny little town where there's only nine people and you realize one day there's only seven. Crime is not, not every crime is told to us. Not even like serious crimes, like murder. You don't always know. So if this could happen in Portlock, Why couldn't it happen in your town, in your area? Media and law enforcement covering up these brutal crimes. And you could say, Jason, I don't want to be terrified. I don't want to hear all the worst news in the morning. 
But if that keeps you from walking out into the woods on a Sunday afternoon, wouldn't you want to know that? If you knew that every month on the third Sunday afternoon someone brutally died in this area, wouldn't you want to know that? The world's a terrifying place. Whether or not you believe in cryptids, there are monsters out there, right? Knowledge is power, and really they're withholding this knowledge from us. They're not letting us know the true scope of the danger that exists in our area. Cryptid or otherwise. If they could do it in Portlock, they could do it in your town. They could be doing it right now. Serial killer on the loose. <laughs> Monster Bigfoot? Whatever. Just regular killer, right? Doesn't need to be a serial killer. Creepy, creepy story. So just remember that. Just remember, just remember all this horrible stuff I've said. The next time you go out to, the next time you go out to do anything, whether you're walking through the spooky woods or going shopping at a mall, you don't know the true level of danger that exists in your area. You don't. A lot of people would argue that you can't know that. It would just depress you too much. It would make you too scared. I'm not trying to scare you from going out and buying groceries or anything like that. I just find it very interesting that one, the media and the police could easily cover up stuff that was going on in your area if they were ordered to, especially, right? If you have a tourist town, you want to keep the tourists coming. If you have, if it's an industry town, you want to keep the workers there. And anything that will interfere with those things, you will brush under the rug. And then also remember that if you do say that I was out in the woods and I saw this monster and, and you know that you saw it, people will think you're crazy. People will think you're a lunatic. And if they don't think that already, if the newspapers want to cover it up, they'll make sure people think you're a lunatic. Simply by the way they word things, they could tell your story and make you sound like an idiot. And now they have completely disregarded you. They've completely cut you off of the legs metaphorically as opposed to Bigfoot ripping them off, but they've done it. And then your voice is laughed off of stage while the newspaper editor nervously fears that another body will turn up, that someone else will go missing, that someone else will see the thing they've been covering up for decades. But if that happens again, the newspaper editor knows the tricks, knows the tools to cover it up once again. Monsters exist all around us. We know that. Or do we? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. And I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.